Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you got a lot done. Hope you had some rest, some time with the Lord and family. It's always nice to be back here. I love Mondays, and why not? You know, last week we talked about Psalm 94, 18. Several people said, what's that verse? And I just wanted to say, I love this verse. I'm going to say it again. Psalm 94, 18 says, when I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. I just love that verse. Psalm 94, verses 18 and 19. Bookmark it in your Bible. Refer to it, memorize it. It's a good one. So I've got a great show. Patrick is going to join me in just a minute, as we always does on Monday to get things started. I'm looking forward to that. And then the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. And then a full hour with Dr. Glenn Pickering. And I've asked Glenn to uh, get ready to go back over his wonderful book called Playing Tag the world's most common game, because it surfaces all the time. You're probably playing it whether you knew it or not. So we're going to get down to the bottom of that in the second hour. That's ahead. But to get things started, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa is on the line. And Patrick, welcome. How many uh, steps do you have on your uh, watch today so far? Okay, hang on a second. Let me see. Uh, 6,800. So I'm a little behind. You are behind. Yeah, you think well, I did. I moonwalked for a full hour. So, <laughs> so that took steps away. It? That took. I think it takes steps away. I'm just going to stick with that for the time being. It's uh, practicing the moonwalk. Yeah, I guess you know. It's. Uh, I do have to cut the lawn in the front yard today, so that's always worth a good thousand steps. Yeah, good point. If you do it the way I do it. You put it on the wheel of the lo- of the mower. <laughs> <laughs> you know the vibrations from the from the engine. For some reason, it really racks up the miles. Nice. But, uh, yeah. So I don't know if you— By the way, I love that book of Glenn Pickering's, the tag book. That's a great book. Yeah. And yeah. you're probably probably playing it whether you know it or not. And once you realize you're playing it, you can put a stop to it, and it does make a difference. I think a funny thing with that book is you finish reading it, and then you want to hand it to somebody that you're playing tag with, and you say, <laughs> you're it. <laughs> you realize that you're playing tag with the tag book. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you need to read this. Yeah. You've but, got to get your act together. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn st- says th- stuff like this in the book. You can say to someone, what part about my behavior is contributing to our issue? Kind of a nice question, isn't it? it I, is, I don't want you yeah. to answer it. Well, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> equipped to answer that. <laughs> I I have a I have a tough enough time with like those opt you know you go to the, you go to a store and you buy something and they say would you like to you know join our become a member and save an extra ten percent you're like ooh ten whoa member you miss me oh gosh no please continue to punish me <laughs> I, I would like to pay extra and not be bothered but in fact have you seen how 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 aggressive you know, websites will do they do the opt in form you know it used to be hey would you like to continue getting this great news. Uh, from our website, just click here and give us your email, and we'll send you the the updates. Now they're they're so darn rude about it. It'll be like, 
you know, they'll have two boxes. Yes, I would like to be informed. And then box number two says, no, I'd like to be a completely <laughs> brain numb moron. I don't want to know what's going on in the world. I prefer to live I know. in ignorance. I know. They, they're pretty harsh. <laughs> They're pretty harsh. You go, oh, I don't know. And it's, but I click the box anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on the brighter side, I learned this, and you might have done this as well, where you're contemplating something that you're going to purchase online, you put it in the shopping cart, and you maybe get to the final step, and you go, nah, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to see if I, if I really do want it. And then the next day, you get an email from the same company saying, hey, you left some unfinished business in there, and if it will help, we'll give you 20% off. Yeah. And now you start to play the game. What happens if I wait till tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, how, how good can this get? But, but, but the, you know, it's funny, and it's almost like they've tapped into something uh, because I used to do these. I'm sure you've done this. You do the shopping cart uh, or, the, or the wish list, or whatever it may be. I used to do this where back in the days we actually bought things in a physical store. And you would see something that you say, well, I, there's no way I can live without this particular item. And, and the game I played with myself was, I tell you what, if you can remember in one week what that item is that you could not live without, you may purchase it. Yeah. And invariably, you would wake up one day, and if, even if you remembered that there was something that you couldn't live without, you couldn't remember what it was, most likely you had forgotten entirely that there was something you couldn't live without, and you continued to live without it. Yeah, good test. And, and, and I would do that with the, with the wish list. You go, I'll put it in there, and so have you ever done that? Have you gone over your old wish list, and you say, I've had an item in here since 87. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't buy that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's outdated. Which brings me to my first point, which I'd like to discuss today, Patrick. Yeah. Patrick Albanese is my guest, and that is small businesses. Now, I don't know if you're on one of those neighborhood websites where you can sort of be connected to your particular community, um, yes. but I'm on that website, and I, I had this pop up on it and it said I want to remind everyone that this website is meant to lift up and help the community. I have seen many complaints about food businesses services on this page. My husband has a small business and is working 6 days a week to pay all of our bills to repair two cars that need fixing. Now that I've been unemployed for an extended period of time, not every business can deliver 100% satisfaction all the times, but they're trying their best. Remember, each person who owns a business is really relying on referrals, word of mouth, since advertising expenses are high and everyone is struggling during this economy. If you have a problem with the store or restaurant business, bring it to the owner. Talk to him or her versus writing some mean-spirited review on the website. Yeah, some of these review websites, the Yelps and things, and, well, I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'll look at, I, I don't even look at them anymore. Because I think I, I don't even know, you know, who are the people giving this information? Uh, you know, sometimes somebody just has a grudge. Uh, what if it's the somebody who's the competition and they just decide to go trash their competitor on a public forum like a Google review? And so you say, gosh, you know, is this the auto mechanic I should go to? And, uh, you know, you read a review says, oh, no, don't go to Bill. Don't go to Bill. <laughs> Turns out he doesn't know anything about cars. I don't. Uh, don't come yeah. to me. Yeah, it's a, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but you know, my good friend Craig's uh, mother used to date this guy, and one day Craig said, "I I, I need an auto mechanic," uh, and and this guy Sam was in the auto business in some form, and he says, "You know, you you probably know somebody," and he he gives him a name, and he says, "He goes, let me tell you something. Uh, they may charge too much, 
and do terrible work, but you can trust them. And, <laughs> and that, that was his recommendation. <laughs> they do terrible work and they charge too much, but you can trust them. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, so how do you know that the person putting a review that says, don't go to Bill, uh, you should go, you know what? I found a better mechanic, this guy, Patrick. You may have to drive down to the uh, <laughs> prestigious city of West Des Moines, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's worth it because you can trust him. And, uh, you know, what if I did that? I mean, I'm perfectly free to be able to go on a, a Google review site and rate your business that way. Right. So how do I know it's even legit? Uh, we, we put a lot of credence in that. I, I used to know guys that went in the early days, the wild, wild west, I think of like Amazon book reviews and maybe Amazon's figured this out. I don't know, but guys could drive their book to the top of the bestseller list. They would do like a, they would have like a two week, they'd give away the book for free in exchange for a five star review. And so they would send out a mass email get my book for free. It's going to be on sale in two weeks for $19.99. You can get it for free as long as you provide me with a five-star review. And then it would go to the top of the Amazon highly reviewed chart. And ta-da! Now this person has a bestseller and it was just all rigged. Wow. And that's when I learned, I said, I don't know if you can trust, you know, now if, if I look and I see so many five-star reviews, I think, well, this isn't legit. Mm-hmm. Don't, which ones do you jump to first? Well, I always uh, see one of each. Best product ever, worst product ever. And I go, okay, those two just canceled each other out. Yeah. And or you could see what, they, like somebody might say, this, this, they give it a one-star review and they say, well, this didn't work for me. You think, okay. That doesn't mean it's a bad product. Right. It just didn't work for you. Right. But how much time do you want to spend reading these reviews? And it's the one good thing that's sort of still left in social media where you say, you know what, I could actually go to, say, my Facebook page uh, and say to my local friends in town, hey, does anybody know a good plumber? Anybody know a good plumber? The same way we used to do it when we'd kind of knock on the neighbor's door and say, does anybody know a good, good plumber? Now we just send that uh, a text message to that same next door neighbor because we don't want to see them face to face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't want this to get long and drawn out. I just need a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, here's a thought-provoking question for you. If everybody puts their problems on a table and you've got your problems on the table, do you think at the end of the day you're going to want to leave with your problems? Oh, yes. I, I, I've often thought about that. Where it's like, okay, you know, you put five in, you have to take five out. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you would dig through the rubble uh, and say, eh, I, I might be able to deal with this one. <laughs> this might be better than this other current problem. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're picking from a pile of problems, it's problematic, so to speak. You say, you know what? I'm kind of used to mine. I think we would, you know, now, of course, there are always extreme. You say, if I could put, let's say, uh, a, you know, a terminal disease on the table and swap it for, right. uh, I have no cable TV. Right. <laughs> I'll take that trade anyway. Mm -hmm. but, but you never know what God's doing in your life, regardless of what your problem is. And if somebody put all their problems on my table and mine were on there as well, I think my first thought would be, get your problems off my table. <laughs> get you. <laughs> I had a nice table till you showed up. <laughs> but it brings, you, me to, you know, it brings me to my oh, next point, know. Patrick, yeah. which is this, and that is something I want to discuss after the break. And that is some very, very famous people that we all know that were quite unhappy and their problems were 
near insufferable. And you're going to be shocked when you hear what people I'm going to be talking about. So Patrick Albanese is my guest as we get things started on this gorgeous Monday. I hope your weekend's been good. Let me uh, take a short break and be right back with Patrick Albanese. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'm back with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. And Patrick, I was just talking before the break about other people who had problems which uh, for them were insurmountable. But can you imagine these problems from these particular people? The first one I want to uh, mention is John Lennon hated the sound of his voice. Wow. He he was a man, uh, according to his biographies, plagued by insecurities and repressed childhood memories of abandonment and emotional abuse. And yet Yoko Ono loved the sound of her voice. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. He would often uh, ask George Martin, their producer, to use whatever treatments available to help his voice sound better. John Lennon. That's, you know, and it's so funny because, uh, I don't know, it was, he was 1980s when he he died, correct? 1980, exactly, yeah. Not that many years later, yeah, not uh, not that many years later, you ended up with Paula Abdul, and they did everything they could with her voice, and it, it didn't help much, and it came out phony sounding. Mm-hmm. And so you would say, you know, even if they could do something to your voice, John, it would come out a little bit phony sounding. Yeah. It's, and a, not a, it, it's yeah. It said he had an inborn dislike of his own voice, which I could never understand. It was one of the best voices I've heard. He was always saying to me, do something with my voice, you know, put something on it, smother it with tomato ketchup or something, make it different. As long as it wasn't his natural voice coming through, he was reasonably happy. Wow. John Lennon. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I had this conversation. My daughter loves to sing. I said, you know, listen to all these bands. She loves 80s music. I said, everybody has a unique, distinct voice that you realize if you took the music away, it may not even be that good. But part of the appeal is the difference that it's not this, like a, 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 the same perfect, clear voice that you think you like to hear. But you listen to some of these singers. You know, my wife loves Dave Matthews. And, and I'm always saying to her, I said, he can't sing. And she says, <laughs> she says, no, she can, he can sing like Dave Matthews. Hmm. It's like, well, yeah, I'll accept that. <laughs> but, uh, and, but she likes that. And you realize that that's the right voice for that band. And he either embraces it or we don't know what goes on. But to think that John Lennon's one of those people. Wow. Yeah. And then there's Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes. Uh, he was plagued with unhappiness most of his life. His, fr- his son, Frank Jr., commented to the press that his father was withdrawn and often seemed sad. And his daughter, Tina, said she- he really could have benefited from anti-depression drugs. He is said to have suffered from depression and mood swings throughout his life. He even attempted suicide twice. Wow. You- you think of these problems you have. You-, you are one of the world's most recognized singers. 
and you're not happy. I'm getting to a very distinct point today, Patrick. I think you know where it's going, but I've got one more to I add. I hope I do. Well, I yeah, think you okay. do. Yeah. And yeah. the other one I thought I'd throw in is George Eastman, uh, the founder of Eastman Kodak. Um, he got to a point where he uh, wrote a suicide note that said, to my friends, my work is done. Why wait? Put a gun in his mouth and took his life. It, it, it's, it's, well, I, um, uh, I knew a guy, uh, a little bit, uh, Sam Simon. I don't know if the name, he's he passed away a few years ago from uh, cancer, but the producer uh, for the Simpsons. Yes. That's Sam Simon. And I remember. Uh, that's Sam Simon. And I remember going to his house, which was uh, Pacific Palisades, Malibu area. It was actually, he bought uh, two adjoining properties so he could have, one was sort of a guest house and that was a, it had a trophy room with all of his TV Emmys and awards. And uh, I mean, you couldn't have been much richer and and miserable at the same time. I, I just never, the, the few, I only interacted with him maybe a half a dozen times, maybe maybe 10, I don't know. And I would ask my friend, who was sort of the the conduit for us, I said, I don't understand. This guy seems to be the most unhappy person I've ever met. And I know toward the end of his life, he actually turned a lot of that around. And it was the cancer diagnosis, I think, that did it. And, and don't you often see the people that in, in a, like when something dire happens, then you hear later, they say, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I hear that often. Is it's it stuns me every time because you you can't easily grasp it. You say, but you know, you you went blind. Let's say somebody goes blind. They say it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You say, really? You and you can't understand. That's how God's working in their life. I'm not saying that he, but he he said I can make lemonade out of this if you let me in. And a lot of times that's what gets their attention. And God comes in, and then the amazing thing happens. Mm -hmm. And it, you hear it all the time. It 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 can be a noggin scratcher, but. In, in Ecclesiastes Amazing. chapter 5, in verse 19, it says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. Because uh, this is a great, I think, illustration. John Lennon, uh, George Eastman, uh, Frank Sinatra, they had pretty much everything. Incredible wealth, possessions, admiration, Yet there was something that was just missing, and you don't have Christ in your life, and yeah. there's no way you're going to have any sense of enjoyment in life. You're not going to fall fleeting. Uh, I'm going to give you something. It's not from Ecclesiastes. It's from Albanistes. Okay. Let's say. <laughs> uh, it, and it, this thought had crossed my mind today. I said, "This is a challenge, you know, for me. If I could learn to spend as much time being grateful." as I do complaining, I'd have less to complain about and I'd probably be a lot happier because I, I, I started to realize the imbalance. It's like, I said, how can it be? I have a, a very nice life. How can I be spending more time complaining than I am being grateful? I should, I need to flip that equation. I, I wonder if sometimes if God just says, what more can I do for you? I've given you everything. Mm -hmm. Do you think, because your brain likes to think of funny things, do you think that sometimes when you stand under the dark cloud, it's easier to think of the funny things? Yes, I do. I do. I mean, you have a healthy dose of skepticism, which might say this helps me write jokes. Oh, I, well, you know, and, and I, yes, I, I do find that. But I can also find that sometimes 
uh, in a situation that's neither good nor bad, I can find almost a negative. I, you know, the other day I got all excited because I got the front parking spot at the gym and it was going to be treadmill day. Uh, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, wait, wait a minute, let me, you're going, ah, I cannot walk from the back end of the parking lot <laughs> and then go on a treadmill for two miles. Right. Well, I'm, not, I'm not crazy. And I thought, I go, well, look, listen, you, you, you were upset. You know, you go to the gym, you go, I got to get that front parking spot because I got to hop in there and go exercise. What are you, what am I thinking? I know. And. You know, uh, but so I'm finding the negative and the positive that like include this as part of your workout. But you're right. Sometimes I find myself often in in one of those dire situations, and humor is the only thing I can find that can sort of lift me out of it. Yeah. Didn't your doctor tell you to walk around that high school track, which was about six blocks from your house, but you didn't have any way to get there? I had no way. <laughs> yes, he did. You know, and I got there and. Uh, it was empty, and I just I don't like to walk alone. So <laughs> I was told you'll never walk alone. That that is yeah. so true. God yeah. says I'll never leave you or forsake you, so you will never walk alone. I will never walk alone. Yeah. But, uh, I had no way to get there. That's very funny, by the way. Did you? Uh, is that an is that an old joke? Is that a new one? That's an old joke. <laughs> oh. Well, I read a thing today that there's they they, they say that living in fear weakens your immune system. And that scares me. <laughs> yeah, so that's trouble too. That's trouble too. Yeah. But, so yeah. Uh, kiddos are going back to school this week because that was a fast summer. Anyway, you slice it, it that's a fast summer. Anyway, you slice it. Yeah, and we we had to do the we had to take a second vacation because the first one failed. So, we, I mean, it's we didn't it didn't turn into a vacation. It just turned into helping other people have a vacation. And so my wife insisted on a second vacation, and I fought it. And she was right again, and it was a wonderful time. I went whitewater rafting with the kids. They had a blast. But uh, I thought, boy, if we hadn't done that trip last week, the fact that they're starting school this week, I go, you know, they're ready now. It was almost like getting a real vacation under the belt. They're ready. But my daughter starts kind of that middle school. We we called it junior high. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's. Because it was junior high. It was junior high. Yeah. yeah. Is that now seventh? Middle. She going into seventh or eighth? Seventh. Seventh. Seventh grade. Yeah. yeah. So she's a little bit nervous and, uh, you know, cause it's all new environment and a lot of new people that she's around, mm-hmm. but, uh, she'll adapt. She'll, she'll be adapt. great. Yeah. She's a confident it's girl gonna be. with yeah. Uh, yeah. supportive parents who love her. She'll, she'll walk into that school feeling strength. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's, you know how kids are, kids are, they're selfish creatures, but with, with patience, with love and with, uh, you know, some guidance, they can grow up to be selfish adults. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, no, you try your best. Yeah, try. You do your best. Yeah. But, but you say, you know, there's, there's a point in time you have to let the birds sort of leave the nest and take yep. on more responsibility and autonomy. And, uh, and then you, you know, my mother, I'm, your mother was probably really good at that too. She was. I, I, they just said, it's time for you to do your thing. Yep. You know, yep. These days we don't have helicopter parents anymore. They're like drone parents. They're, just, <laughs> <laughs> they're all over the place. So all I right. Try not to I got to scoot. Yep. But uh, Monday cool. afternoon mix is up next, and that's always a good segment, Patrick. So you're you're always right before that. I love to open for the Monday. Yeah, mix. I know. Have a great day. Yep. Thanks, you too. Yep. Patrick Albanese has been my friend. Get things started. Monday afternoon mix is next. Pastor David Miles is in the studio, as is Rosie B running the board. We'll be right back. 
Monday, Monday, Monday. Afternoon, afternoon, afternoon. Mix, mix, mix. Mix, mix, mix. Here we are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing B. I can say. That was, that was a pretty good uh, Rosie B. Oh, yeah. That was a really oh, good yeah. one. Yeah. We're back. Here we are. We are here. You have some comments to make, David, before we move on in our Sermon on the Mount discussion. Well, one from of the last things time. about the Sermon on the Mount is that, you know, Jesus constantly or re- re- repeatedly say, you have heard that it was said. Then you say, but I say this. And so Jesus is going beyond just the letter of the law and getting to the to the spirit of the law. You know, um, Paul would later write that the, the you know, the, the spirit, the law gives death, but the spirit gives life. And one of the things when you get into topics like biblical sexuality and the like, and um, people can begin to want to use the word and ways to kind of become their authority, and they can start to bludgeon one another with Scripture instead of all of us submitting ourselves under, you know. And I just like, as we're, I know people, and actually I don't know, but people are in a, in a multitude, a plethora of different circumstances and experiences. Um, I don't know, but there's a Savior who loves you who does know. Um, but I want to encourage, you know, us to be giving ourselves to the Lord and saying, Lord, work with me first. You know, Mm -hmm. um, Bill, as a, as a pastor and having done counseling, I've had people come in and they're like, you know, want to see you PDM and sit down my spouse and and they'll sit down. And, um, you know, it's, they've brought the one basically to say, I'm going to say these things and I'm going to use PDM to basically side with me to make you do what I've been telling you to do at home. And, uh, you know, and, and it, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we talked about that, David, didn't we? It's, it's what, um, I call framing. Like you are framing somebody, you're setting them up for failure. You're framing them. You're putting them in a position instead of encouraging different behavior. Instead of looking at yourself, it, it's the, it's just such a generic word. But when I hear that, when people are talking, um, girlfriends or friends or family, about their spouse, I'm like, you're actually kind of framing them right now to me. You know, you're putting them in a position where I am making a decision based on what you're saying, and it's not fair. You know, there's two sides, and that's not loving. And there has to be a special place where you can talk with somebody and discuss things, but not to the detriment of somebody's character. And I just want to add that you'll hear David say PDM. He's referring to himself, Pastor David Miles, just not to feel confused. I don't want to confuse anybody. True. David, I don't talk to my, well, sometimes I do talk to myself. Yeah. Um, people that talk in third person is, you know, that's fine. You'll just never find Bill Arnold doing that. <laughs> okay. I knew a joke was coming. Why did I just, I was watching you going, you were going to set something he, he, up. He is. He was framing it. He was framing it, right. No, I guess it has in mind when we think of 1 Corinthians 13 about about love, you know, the idea that love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it doesn't insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, you know, wanting us to have that heart and mentality. Now, I want to state this just popped in my mind. If someone's in an abusive relationship, no, that is not healthy. That's not, that's not, that's not right. I mean, you are a once in eternity creation. God sent his only son to shed his eternal blood for you. 
you have infinite internal value. So, so you're not a, not a nothing, you know, God gave his very best for you. So you, you are, you are a delight to him and he desires that you know him and know him personally, not just know things about him, not know just like stories that you learn, but to know him personally today, whether you're eight years old, 28, 88, 93, 56, doesn't matter. If you're breathing, Jesus wants to know you personally. So, David, Rosie, were we going to continue uh, on the Sermon on the Mount with the lust and adultery, or are we ready to move on from there? Um, I think, you know, I think one thing that might be helpful before we move on to it on the issue of biblical sexuality is having healthy, um, good conversations about it. I think at the root of 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 this whole thing is a desire of longing, you know, a desire of longing to be known and for someone to know us. And that longing is more rooted in a desire for our wanting to know God, the source of all joy, the source of all love and, and all hope. And it's in the fall that we see um, the switch from being naked and unashamed. And that's more than just sexual and more than just genitalia. It, it, it's the idea of being open, mind, you know, emotions, the, the whole of us of being naked and ashamed to us then, you know, wanting to hide. Um, and so to, to, to talk about the beauty of this um, is critical. I'm excited this fall at New Hope Church. We're going to be going through uh, the series Song of Solomon. And we're going to be talking about love, like love, love, you know, even greater than what, our, what, our, what we often just kind of sequester it to. You know, we're going to discuss that because it, it's so key. And people are looking for love, and oftentimes in all the wrong places, not to quote a country song. I don't mind a good country song every <laughs> once in a while. Who sang that? Who sang that in what country? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Um, Looking for love in all Kenny, the right places. Not Kenny Loggins, it? not Kenny Rogers. But somebody sang it because somebody did. they had that experience. I think so. what's interesting about as we leave um, or as we discuss lust further, or if we're leaving it, um, that there's this biological desire to connect, right? And it's the lust of the flesh. But to you, what you're saying, Patrick, is, or excuse me, David, is what we long for the connectedness in our heart. And it's such a substitute. And I think the enemy says it's going to be enough and leads people to pornography and all sorts of you know, adulterous things, but it's such a lie because we think that our fulfillment's going to come in the flesh and it doesn't. It comes from the heart with a connection to God. And so, you know, physical intimacy is a beautiful thing, but it's an additional thing added to emotional and spiritual intimacy first. You know, and I think that's the, that's the lie. That's the missing piece. So many people miss, you know, just because we're so responsive in our flesh. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so much that paints it in a way. C.S. Lewis said this, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Humans feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. 
If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And the beauty of Lewis's statement is that we are made for another world. We're, we're, we're made for a place that has like a guiltless, shameless type of ecstasy that's pure and rich and good um, in and with Christ and in and with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And, and that's a beautiful thing. So, so we do have this desire that can't be fully satisfied, and that's why it's just a picture of, of you know, marriage is to be a picture of Christ and his bride. If you spend any time looking at media, television, movies, magazines, billboards, you will find that there is a great devaluing of sexual currency. If you have a high view of God's Word and a high view of what He teaches about sexuality, you will realize that there is an incredible difference between the two. Rosie, to your point, that if you don't understand and have a high view of God's Word regarding biblical sexuality you will look for some kind of relief, satisfaction, something that's not going to... Because the world has devalued the sexual currency. Everything is so casual now and... It's transactional. Transactional, yes. Right? And for those who, you know, have found pornography as an outlet, it's not even personal anymore. Right. Right? It's it's transactional in that regard as well. So I, I think what brings me great hope, though, is that as more people find, go down that road and they find it to be wanting, that the Lord is so good according, you know, I just love his character, especially what he says in Genesis fifty twenty that what evil is intended for evil, I intend to make for good for the betterment of others. So I think anybody who's left that, that relationship with lust in any way, shape or form, they have such a ministry to talk to other people. And it shouldn't be as taboo as it has been in the past, because I think there's so many people participating in it now that it needs to come to the front in the church so that there can be healing, so that the Lord can make it for benefit for the help of others. Yeah, Rosie, I think you're really on to something. And um, I mean, like, this is the cultural, um, you know, environment that we're living in. And Bill, to your point, you're like, our culture is saturated in this. And, you know, we've lost 61 million babies to abortion and um you know one of the things is that we we focus on on that and that's is to be focused on but part of that reality is that we live in a highly sexualized and licentious culture you know and that out of that comes these pregnancies that that may be unwanted and it ends in that and i think that's part of the reason when william wilberforce went for the abolition of slavery in Great Britain, he actually had two two aims. One was the abolition of slavery. The second was a reformation of mores, which were morals, and that both of those needed to happen, you know, because we start to objectify people. Um, Martin Buber, a famous philosopher in his book, I and Thou, he said, I was formed to see women as its and not thou and that they weren't seen beyond their body parts. And, and so our culture has been doing that. And to my sisters, I am so sorry. And I, I'm sorry for how um, men and fathers and uncles and brothers and cousins and boyfriends and others have just operated in manners and said things um, so injurious and harmful and wrong. So just call it call it what it is. 
And uh, I'm sorry for the many ways that that um, you hurt and have been hurt. And you, um, yeah, have just been, you know, blamed and objectified and marginalized. And, uh, and that happens in the church and that happens in the world. And I'm sorry. And uh, I pray you've, you could forgive us. And I, um, but more than that, I, I think it's important just as a man um, to say that to you as my sisters. That's beautiful, David. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're doing the Monday afternoon mix today. We're on the Sermon on the Mount. We've been on this for about a month now. We'll be on it for at least another couple of months, I think, because there's so much to cover. We're in Matthew 5, 27 to 30. We're still talking about lust and adultery. Very difficult subject. You're handling it well, David and Rosie. After a short break, we'll be right back with lots more. <clears throat> Monday afternoon mix, Pastor David Miles, or PDM as he refers to himself. Don't be confused when he calls himself PDM. That's Pastor David Miles. And Rosie B., that's the team on the Monday afternoon mix. Hey, I just got a comment from uh, this comment's making my day, probably my week. And what is today? The 23rd of August. So let's just call it the month. <laughs> is that fair? Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a great comment. I'll summarize it. Um, just wanted to say that I really enjoy your show and listen several times a week. <laughs> wanted you and your team to know that in our world, men are often thought of in the most derogatory way and that men are oppressors or just plain stupid. I do not agree. I love how men think and sort stuff out with truth and kind emotion. You show the world what real men are about. That's about as nice as it, as it gets. I agree. I'm in a household of men. And I'm I taking concur. the rest of the day off and asking for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> Is that wrong? No, it's not nope. wrong and I'll give it to you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> five cents? Fifteen cents? Five. Five dollars. Yeah. No, okay. five cents. Oh, five cents. Okay, yes. good. Yeah. Good, good. That's that, up to that's... 20 cents a day, Rosie. <laughs> it's ministry, Get Bill. your change out. I know, right? David, what were you going to say? That's a great, it's a great statement. And it's, it's something, I want to, one, say thank you, but also point to this. How powerful are the words of encouragement? Because, you know, Bill, you're like, that made my week. It, it did. It made my day. Oh, it did. And so, like, you don't have to be on radio. You don't have to be the head of a company. You don't have to be, you know, God can use you and your words to powerfully impact people. And you never know, you know, just how dry their tank is or that amount of wisdom that you're about to speak they need. Mm -hmm. So that's beautiful. Rosie, you sent a note to a former colleague, a very timely note. Oh, yeah. You said that was something I really needed. So I, so this has been, you know, we all go through seasons of where the Lord is teaching you something new. 
And this season for me has been to press in. And when I feel a prompt from the Holy Spirit to actually act on it, first I have to sift it and make sure it's from him. You know, you look at the fruit. If if you were to do something um, for someone or if you were to make a move, is it godly? You know, would the fruit be of that of the Holy Spirit, goodness, kindness, love? Would you be spreading those things? So I've been trying to pay more attention to those prompts. And yeah, uh, we it's been fabulous. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to make a move on that. I'm going to do that. And he just comes through so good. But the word of encouragement that Bill's talking about went to a colleague and she was so down. And it. I had to ask Bill if it was okay, because he gave her the tender, loving comment, the TLC that I like to say, if I could share it. And he's like, absolutely share it. Yeah, do it. And so when I sent it to her, it was like, you know, in text language, a felt like three paragraphs of, I so needed that today. I so needed that today. So when, you know, our listeners send us these encouraging notes, it just really makes our day. I think it makes anybody's day. It would. Yeah. So let's get back to the Sermon on the Mount. And I agree with you, Rosie and mm-hmm. David. Uh, words of encouragement and affirmation are, are life-changing. They really are. They are. And I mean, I think, um, you know, Moving ahead into the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Dr. John Gottlieb, who started the Gottlieb Marriage Institute, he noticed that it wasn't conflict that was the the greatest predicament of divorce. It was actually contempt. And mm. when people get to the point of having contempt for one another, that, that that's a dangerous area to be at. It's not conflict that's the issue because we're going to have conflict. You know, we're all sinful. You know, my adage is only Jesus is sinless. There are no openings on the Trinity, and I'm neither one or two. So I got issues, you know. Um, and so what happens is our, our hearts begin to be become hard. And I think that's what led Jesus into this next section um, on divorce. And so, Bill, do you want to read um, verse 31? Yes. Following? Yes. 30, starting in 30, 31. Where'd it go? Hmm. I just had it, David. Um, no, I've got... You got it? I have 27 to 30. Okay, I have 31. And it it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You know... Sorry about that, Bill. Popping that verse on you, uh, asking you. <laughs> so, no, that's a, it's a very difficult verse. We've dealt with this on the show many, many times. Yeah, I had asked him to read, and I didn't get it. So, that's okay. I so just didn't have it up. One of the things is, um, you know, getting back to what you were saying, like, Rosie, about kind of the encouragement, you get to a point like this where people start to feel co- cold and closed off from one another. And, you know, Jesus is referring to, you know, the book of Deuteronomy, um, where they would, they would, there was basically two schools of thought regarding divorce. You had one that said it was permissible for a man to divorce his wife for any reason. And then there was another one that was like, except for marital unfaithfulness. And so some people, they would, they'd have this contempt. So it didn't matter what the person did. They were like, I'm done with you. And they would issue a, a certificate of divorce, you know, but that wasn't Jesus's, you know, heart. His heart was, as he says later uh, in the Bible, as it was from the beginning, that a man should leave his 
mother and father and be joined to his wife and the two become one flesh. You know, God desires for us to live in fellowship and unity with him vertically and humble submission to Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit to one another vertically or horizontally. That's the idea. And I know we also live in a in a very a real and broken world. You know, it's interesting because I have, um, this verse is difficult. And I know it was explained to me once that you have to kind of, you have to go back to the context of it. The, you know, back in the day, if a, if a man divorced his wife, she was, she couldn't provide for herself. She was garbage, right? So once he provided, if they gave a certificate, then she could remarry and, and have, um, you know, I don't know, some sort of standing in, in her community. But what was interesting to me is he says, let him give her a certificate of divorce instead of just being an item that you could disregard. I think just that little word, her, a certificate of divorce, I think Jesus was saying a ton there, that she is somebody of value, that, you know, that she does get to remake her life if you choose to just throw her away, that this certificate is important. I mean, there's so much here, but I know that when I started researching this, that first sentence said so much about the culture that this was written in, about how they valued women. And that comment you made, I think it was John Gottman's book on marriage that you referenced. Yes. Yes. And the contempt part is when things are really bad, when you yeah. feel contempt. And he also said it's not conflict, because I remember reading the book a long time ago. It's not conflict as much as it is the way in which conflict is brought up. Say, say more to that. Like, yeah. Does... It's, are you in a safe arena to have a discussion or are you on your way out the door to play racquetball with somebody and your wife says to you, oh, and another thing, and all of a sudden it's just the wrong time? Hmm. Never thought of it that way. So creating a safe space where mm-hmm. you say we're going to get together for 45 minutes tonight at 8 o'clock and have 45 minutes where we're going to, we're just going to talk. And I took that when you started saying it, I haven't read the book, and I was thinking the context of how it, if you feel like you're going to be beaten up in conflict, if it's, if you're going to be framed to our earlier part of our conversation where it's always a never, you never do these things, mm-hmm. then you have these offenses that you start taking on or, you know, victim mentality, you know, that, yeah. well, like I'll never please him or her. There's always going to be a complaint. So that's when the, I was thinking that's when the hardness started. I never thought of it mm-hmm. being a, a time thing. But. Mm-hmm. Mm. If your heart starts to grow cold because you have contempt, that's when the lust and the adultery can be really right. In, can be in great danger. And then you have the anger that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, a practical thing because we're going to be coming to the end of our time. I, I heard a message by Chip Ingram on another part of our, our KTIS family, and so please be listening and and just know. God is feeding us. We, as you're listening to us, we need the Lord to feed us. But he was sharing about this marriage thing, and he said, hey, you know, do this. Sit down, set a time, and actually take a piece of duct tape and put it over your mouth (laughs) and and say, I'm going to sit here, and I can't say anything. Now, I'm sure you guys couldn't imagine, out of of Tammy and I, I'm I'm the more loquacious one. I use more words. Uh, So we flipped the script on a number of different things. But I did that, and I sat down, and I just said, hey, babe, want to talk for a period of time? And I took, and I put duct tape on my face. 
on my mouth. <laughs> and I just sat there and I just let her share. And it seems really silly, but it, it was something where she's like, that was really cool, you know? And then she did the same. And, and, uh, and it was really kind of this neat thing. And I guess being open to saying, God, how do you want to continue to grow us to think of ways? And I mean, guys really use it. Men love duct tape. It's a perfect <laughs> example. And they got plenty of it around the house, don't <laughs> exactly. they? Exactly. All different colors. Yeah. And they know right where it is, too. Yeah. It fixes everything. It does. Yeah. It does. David, I appreciate it. I love this study we're doing on the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be in it for many more weeks. So thank you for talking about this. And Rosie, same to you. Thank mm-hmm. you, Rosie B. Thank you, Bill. Rosie B. All right. That's all for the Monday Afternoon Mix with lots more. Next time we gather on Monday, we'll continue our Sermon on the Mount. For the next hour, which I'm so glad Dr. Glenn Pickering is already in the green room. I see him out there, and he's going to come in. And I asked him if we could uh, cover his book, Playing Tag, which is the world's most common game. Now, this last discussion we just had uh, is going to facilitate what Glenn is going to talk about. So you're not going to want to miss this. We've got five copies of his book to give away in the hour. All you have to do is text the word book to get one of Glenn Pickering's Playing Tag books. You text the word book to 877-933-2484. After a short break, I'll have Glenn in the hot seat. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.